HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. In the Drink comes to you live from Roberta's Restaurant here in uh, Bushwick, New York, every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. And it can also be uh, accessed past episodes you can find on www.heritageradionetwork.org and also on iTunes. Um, I'm your host of In the Drink, Joe Campanelli. When I'm not here hosting the show you can find me um at one of our restaurants where i serve as the as the beverage director at uh, delanima lartuzzi lapicho and anfora um and i'm excited uh, i can't believe that our, our guest on the show today actually hasn't been here yet we've been doing this show for like two years and uh and uh shame on me for not having uh david lombardo here um Earlier, he's the wine and beverage director for Benchmark Restaurants. Um, we have Landmark, the uh, original down in Tribeca, uh, Landmark in Time Warner Center, and uh, Ditch Plains, our, our neighbor in the West Village. Um, uh, David's known for having just awesome wine lists, uh, extremely affordable, um, kind of makes some of us, the rest of us in the industry look bad because his prices are so damn good. <laughs> uh, and just being one of the nicest guys all around. So, uh, welcome to in the drink. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. Um, really impressive. You guys have been around for 11 years. Uh, I remember, uh, last year the the 10 year, I was like, holy shit, like Landmark's been around 10 years now, and now you guys are on a 11 years. Um, that's, in the in this restaurant industry, like, not unheard of, but it's right. just so, so rare. Um, uh, what do you attribute to uh, to this, this longevity, and, and how do you keep things just fresh and keep going on? You know, it's interesting. Uh, the first Landmark, in, you know, we opened up in 2004, and we were looking at what kind of style we want to do. And my buddy, Mark Murphy, who's the, the chef, you know, he had cooked in some really high end restaurants all over 
the city and he worked in Paris and a bunch of places. And he said, you know, people come in to see me in these restaurants on their anniversaries for their birthdays. He's like, but no one just comes, stops by to say hi because everything's high end. So he's like, we want to establish a really great neighborhood restaurant, accessible menu, accessible menu size, affordable prices. Um, and we just always really wanted to embrace the community. So that's how the, you know, landmark came about. And, you know, we were, when we opened up there, one of the things we started learning more about the neighborhood, it's in Tribeca, was how many families there were there. And we've seen kids grow up in our restaurant. So, you know, really, you know, we, we started, we, we were rummaging through some stuff in the beginning. We, um, in, in one of the restaurant shops, and these guys found an old uh, cotton candy machine, right? And they put, so we brought in a cotton candy. Mark's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, have cotton candy for the kids. And we were like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And then it just became this thing. So all these little things that you pick up as you go along and you, you realize, we always say we, we want to be around for a really long time. When we open up all, all of our restaurants, but especially Lamar Tribeca, people would come in and they'd say, wow, you guys are so hot right now. And my first reaction was, thank you for the compliment, but I don't want to be hot. I want to be warm. You know, I want to be around for a long time because when you're hot, you're going to get cold. Yeah. You know? So I think there's just so, I mean, you know what it's like. It's like, why is one place packed and then the place next door is empty? You know, the people, the food, the accessibility, the, the, just the culture of that surrounding, I think. Yeah, I think like, there's, a, there's a, a fickleness to, um, to the restaurant industry in general right? and, and the, the way that the media portrays it. Um, like something can be, just as you said, hot one day and then, uh, and then you're like, holy shit, that place closed. Right. Like, how did that happen? In the blink of an eye. What happened? What, what happened? Right, just so, that quick. Having that like, warm, friendly service and good value and delicious just delicious everything uh you, you guys just completely uh completely nailed it yeah. um where were the, and i know that you and mark have been together for a long time right uh, even before yeah. even before ditch planes talk about how you guys got together in, in the first place um yeah it's, it's pretty cool you know i i was not in the restaurant business ever in my life i graduated with a degree in english and philosophy from fordham and then i was in healthcare for about three years and i took a break you know i wanted to take a break and I always thought bartenders were really cool in college, and I was like, oh, I always wanted to bartend. Um, my parents were not very happy with me at the time. They just dropped a bunch of money on my education, but I wanted to be happy. You know, I'd seen um, a lot of things in, you know, early on in my life that made me believe, wow, if you have to make money to live, you should damn well be happy doing it. So I started attending bar, and I hooked up. One of my first jobs was with the uh, Merchants Restaurant Group, and Murphy had a restaurant with them on the Upper East Side called La Fourchette. And then he came down to this place to take over the kitchen at uh, Southwest New York. And then we both went over to a new restaurant they had called, um, we had called uh, Chinoiserie, which is on 20, was on 26th Street in the Giraffe Hotel. So it was there that we really started working really close together. Now, the ownership of the hotel and the guys from Merchants ended up splitting up, and they invited Mark to stay and run the kitchen. And the guys from Merchants asked me to you know, go and be placed as a bartender somewhere else. And Murphy turned to me and he's like, dude, he's like, just stay with me. He's like, run the bar. I'll do the kitchen and we'll, 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 we'll own this place. You know, we'll take care of it. And it really was like one of those like two roads diverged in a wood sort of like moments in my life where I looked at both different sides and I, I looked at Murphy. I was like, I was like, I'll, I'll hang out with you, man. I'll, I'll, I'll chill with you for a while. Right. And that's where our friendship and our working relationship really got solidified. Well, that place eventually closed and we did a bunch of side projects together and then in 2003, uh, Mark uh, and his wife Pamela uh, bought this building down in Tribeca, and we put a landmark in there, man, and it just hit. 
you know, that neighborhood for a while, um, there was not that much going on. You know, the towers right. were, stones throw away, were stones throw away, and there was not that much activity. And we, I feel we I brought a lot of life. I remember being, like, quiet, like, super quiet in that neighborhood. Super in quiet. The, um, you know, at that time, that was, like, around when I was going to school down at NYU. And, like, like you just didn't go to Tribeca's, like, just quiet. Right. right. And now it's, like, this super booming neighborhood. Super booming. You know, we've seen so many places open and close around us. I mean, I think we did a count a couple of years back where it was, like, within... Some, the past 11 years, there's been at least like 40 new restaurants open up within a, you know, 10 square block, you know, and that's a, that's a lot, but, you know, it's interesting. But, you know, so when people ask me, they say, you know, how, how long have you been with Landmark? You know, my response isn't easy. It's always like, well, way before it ever, you know, even began. Yeah, you're like in the BC era of landmark. Yeah, right? <laughs> and so all of your like experience and 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 love for wine and beverage has has come kind of alongside Mark, and you you really learned on the job, learned by doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's a great visionary, and especially entrusting in someone like myself to take over. Of course, <laughs> I like to say right, but he, uh, yeah, he, you know, he. I remember walking around the the restaurant in the beginning with the wine list, right, and I had it like rolled up like it was like a playbook. Because I was, I was nervous, you know, I, I was just learning on the job by traveling, reading, self-taught. I never took any classes. And he was like, what's that? I'm like, I just need to hold on. He's like, put it down. He's like, just be yourself. Just talk to people. Be, you know, just be real. And, you know, that's, I think, how the foundation of what the culture of Landmark and the wine program, um, you know, that's one of the, the ways it really came about. You know, it was a really unique approach to wine at the time. You know, one of the, the things we keep talking about is accessibility and we wanted to be accessible with our prices. So that meant, you know, we'd like to call it a non-traditional markup. So basically our prices were kept between traditional New York City restaurants and New York wine shops. Guys like you who say, we, you know, we make you look bad, um, you're the first one at the bar at night coming in to get a great bottle of wine at a great price, you know. And it's become a nice teaching institution, especially with that, the pricing structure as well as the approach that we took with no wines by the glass. Right, that right. was a big thing. So you just have half bottles and seven fifties. Half bottles, seven fifties, magnums. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when we were low on the prices, we had people in the industry telling us that we were going to cheapen luxury goods. You're crazy. No one will ever. You'll never be able to make your margins. My thought was, if you give someone you know a great value, they'll come back. As well as we saw guys, you know, buying twice the amount of wine because they could afford it. And if you're someone that maybe would never get that. Seventy-five dollar, eighty-five dollar bottle of wine in a restaurant. You you will get it at our spot because that's a hundred and twenty-five, hundred and thirty dollar bottle somewhere else. Yeah. So people step outside even their comfort zone. I mean, everyone's happy, right? We're selling more wine, so the winemakers are happy. Um, the servers are happy because their check average is up, and the guests are happy because they're getting a great value for you know a great price. And they're probably drinking a better wine at that price point than they than they normally would be. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean that's just fantastic. Um, yeah, and, um, and then tell us about about how you just approach the the different wine lists between Landmark and uh, and Ditch Plains. Yeah, so Ditch Plains is our uh, New York style fish shack, right? So lobster rolls, surf and videos, the famous Ditch Dog, which is. Hot dog topped off. Hot dog topped off with mac and cheese. Right, that's another big thing that took on a life of its own. That's a whole another crazy story. Um, I think. It, I think the, the spaces define a lot of the times what you're. Wait, if put that's on a your... crazy story, we want to hear this. So story. we're so we're so we're sitting around in the beginning at Ditch Plains in the West Village, and uh, we're testing out menu items. And Peter Hansen, our other partner, director of operations, he uh, tells the server, "Hey, have the kitchen put on uh, some cheese on my hot dog." Right, so. 
She puts on cheese and a hot dog. Ticket comes up in the kitchen. The guy who was cooking was like, well, uh, he didn't really know what it was. So we're sitting there. All of a sudden, there's two hot dogs come, off, come out topped off with mac and cheese. And we were like, what is that? <laughs> I mean, it was just mounds. So he just figured he put mac and cheese because that's what he thought was, you know, the cheese on the, on the hot dog. And the ditch dog was born. So we kept it off the menu for a while. It was sort of like those one of the things you had to know to order. Yeah. And when people started seeing it go out, they were like, same reaction. What the hell is that? And they started ordering it. Well, flash forward like a year and a half, half later and Murphy's on Martha Stewart you know, as the best hot dog in the United States. And it was just one of those real things you're like, organically, things just come about. Yeah, to them. You can never happen. predict that, right? Yeah. It's just like taking on life. It's almost as if you're like, oh, we're going to do like a mac and cheese hot dog from the beginning, then it wouldn't have been yeah, as good. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. would, it would never have been as good. No. And how's that affected the, the restaurants? I mean, Mark's, Mark's uh, kind of blown up, right? His, uh, right. It's a... He's like a celebrity chef at this point. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting with him and with be, being on television on, on Chopped. And, I mean, you, you've met, you, you know Mark. He's a, he's a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. Like, he's, he's a smart, smart dude and just real genuine. And um, we, it's interesting seeing his persona with the television celebrity world because he's a legit chef and restaurateur, Right. You see some people in the industry um, that, you know, starting to come up since it really blew up. Yeah. They're coming into the industry just to be on television, right? But he's got some street cred. He's got restaurants. He's got a restaurant group. He's got a catering company. Um, you know, he has over, you know, we have over 500 employees now. Like, it's legit. So um, he doesn't need the television part of it. A lot of the times he does, he'll sell, he'll do it just to help feed, you know, the restaurants and have people come in. Um I was always, I'm always amazed, though, too, because we are so family-friendly. How many kids watch Chopped and are Amazing. really, like, getting into it? And, you know, one of the best compliments he's gotten is, like, you know, from parents with their kids. He's like, you know, we watch the show, and then we try and recreate the, the, the dishes at home with their kids. And it's a great bonding moment. I mean, you talk about family and food, and you get kids at a young age, probably like both of us were, you know, really, like, getting into food. It's just great. I mean, it's not only nourishing you, you know, physically, but yeah. spiritually, mentally, you know, and that time that you share with people in the kitchen is priceless, right? Do you often get, like, hopeful kids or people coming in, like, is Mark, is Chef Mark in tonight? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're still, you know, New York-based, so we're always in the restaurants, and you know, we have our, our offices off-site, but we're, we're in there all the time, and, you know, it's not, you know, not uncommon to just have people walk up and just take a picture, or, you know, can, you know, can we just talk to you and he just had a book come out uh, last week actually called season with authority mm. so that's um his first that's amazing that's his first cookbook but you know it's just confident home cooking it's like the landmark cuisine it's just simple ingredients easily made um nothing too fancy nothing towers and foams and leaning it's just good food that we like to eat every day and that we think people would like to eat every day so yeah. and now what i mean what kind of wines do you think pair well with this this kind of straightforward flavorful good food right i think it's for me it's it it's easy you know there's the food is just something that the ingredients you can really take from different parts of the world you know we say landmark is a french bistro with italian influence right but those flavors rosemary thyme right meat chicken fish pasta specials there's such a great opportunity to, to pair with so many different bottles being in new york we have access to so many great things, right? We're spoiled. You know, you go other places, they just don't get those wines there. So for me, you know, it's great to pair, you know, a, a great steak with a great bottle of Bordeaux. But, 
you know, because of the accessibility and the pricing structure and the half bottles, you can step outside your comfort zone. And I think it makes my job a lot easier. I think people take that sometimes too serious. Mm -hmm. The food pairing, you know, it's like, because what tastes good to me might not taste good to you. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. And you're going to have one bottle of wine and you have like two or four people. Everyone's having appetizer, different entree. Like, there's, you, you can't pair something perfectly with every dish. So you need right. something. Right. Uh, and yeah, and just on your point about us having such access, it's amazing how many times producers come here from Europe and, you know, I meet with Italian producers more than anyone else. And they'll, they'll like, want to drink Italian wine in the restaurant. I'm like, well, you're coming from Italy. Like, well, we don't, we actually don't get this one. Like, it's not right. available, like, in our town, in our region, right. even, because it's from another region. So sure. I either have to go to that other region in Italy or I see it here. So I'm, I want to drink it here. Right. I mean, I think one of the first times I really understood that was my first real wine trip was to Burgundy. And... You know, looking at the wine list, and it was, I, I didn't understand it. I was like, why is there just Burgundian wines on the list? And then even going to some people's cellars or houses, it was just Burgundian wine, except for one guy. I don't know if you ever met Christian Moreau. He's a producer up in Chablis. And his cellar, he had Ridge, he had Heights, he had mm. all these, like, American wines. He's like, I like to try different things. It was really interesting. Um, and I think that his thought also match his personality because he's a very personal guy. Yeah. So it made sense. Like he wanted to try different things, you know? Um, but yeah, we, you know, New York is, we're spoiled. I mean, we, we just get access to so many amazing things that I think, uh, I mean, I definitely don't take it for granted. So, you know, we try and pass it on to our guests, you know, and have them try stuff. I mean, the half bottle approach was always fantastic because you can really, you know, we started in Tribeca. I had like, shit, like 25 of them. There wasn't that many and they were mostly French. And then with the success of the program, people started producing them more and more. So, you know, to your point of there's four people eating, you know, not everyone maybe is going to match well with the one bottle of wine. Well, you want to stay with white so you can get a half bottle of Vermentino. And I want to go with a Bordeaux and everyone's happy. Great. Right. Uh, we do a fantastic job of it. Um, on that note, though, we're going to take just a quick break. We'll be back with more from uh, with Dave Lombardo from Benchmark Restaurants. Victor's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small. From careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels, to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. 
Michter's Cosby Dam Taste is Everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit Michter's.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. All right, and we're back on In the Drink. I have uh, David Lombardo, the wine and beverage director for Benchmark Restaurants uh, here in the studio. Um, that's Landmark, Tribeca, the original Landmark, and Time Warner, Ditch Plains, and new restaurant, um, Kingside. Kingside, yeah. Uh, which, uh, which is actually the only one I, have, I haven't been to yet. So Tell rude, us. man. I'm like sorry. It, like you're not busy enough? <laughs> not, not eating every day and just drinking your, your, your life away here? Uh, I, I, I'm, I am actually, it's sad, but, yeah. uh, Kingside's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Kingside's fun. Kingside is a new project for us. Uh, it's about a year and a half old. It is on 57th street between sixth and seventh avenues in the, in the Viceroy hotel. And that cuisine there is, uh, called, well, it's new American. You know, you open up these places and the, one of the first questions everyone wants to know is what's the cuisine going to be like, like pigeonhole you. Yeah, into, like, totally. Like, yeah. So, I mean, that's why we, we had, yeah, heard, it's, heard good this. Yeah. it's good food. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good food. <laughs> I mean, New American gives us the opportunity to do basically whatever we want. You know, it's still under an umbrella of our style of cooking. You know, it's a little more focused um, cuisine, I think. But uh, we tried to bring a little bit of downtown to that block. Um, and our first time opening up in a hotel, which yeah. was uh, interesting. You know, we, we said we didn't want to have... Interesting, like, oh, she has a good personality. Interesting. Or, like, well, no, you know, it's just, it's like, um, we, we didn't want to have a hotel restaurant. We just wanted to have a restaurant that happened mm -hmm. to be in a hotel and still focusing on neighborhood uh, guests that come in, you know, four nights a week and have meals with us and have a great drink and a great price. Yeah, I imagine yeah. that's challenging. Though I think some of our sons recently have, have really accomplished that, like uh, Narcissa in the Standard East. I, you're in there, it doesn't feel like a, a hotel restaurant. Right. Um, what, how are the ways, like, what did you proactively do to kind of separate it from that? Is there, do you have to walk through the hotel for the entrance? Or? No, so, I mean, one thing, there's, there's two separate entrances, one to get into the hotel, um, and that lobby's small, um, but uh, the entrance of ours, it's great. There's so much, there's so much, the whole front of the restaurant, so much good glass. So you can see, and, and there's a beautiful bar, and um, we worked with uh, Roman and Williams on the design of that, and it's just some beautiful, like, black and white and red and um, just some a little touch of, like, old New York. It was a beautiful chef's counter in the back yeah. that we sort of took inspiration from either, like, a sushi counter or, like, an old 50s diner, right? These red swivel chairs that go back and forth, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just fun. It's fun up there. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I think we just got some background music like here. It. The guys at Roberta's are uh, <laughs> setting up for service. Um, and then uh, the wine list that like kind of most, you know, it's just like super impressive uh, over at Landmark and uh, the Time Warner. We actually have a special guest in the, uh, uh, just got here into the, the studio. James, uh, welcome to uh, In the Drink. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, and uh, you recently, actually, you recently came to New York from, uh, or came back to New York from a, a stint in D.C. Um, what, what, uh, what, what brought you back to New York? Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's great to be back in New York. Um, I spent the past five years in D.C. Um, working on some other projects, and 
came back to New York um, to sort of try to do what I did in D.C. Yeah. here. Uh, in the meantime, working with an old friend of mine, David. Uh, we've known each other for about 10 years now. Ooh, that's long, man. Yeah. Wow. Do you guys work together 10 years ago? Um, we've never worked directly together besides you know, outside events and some of those yeah. you were part of as well. Um, we always sort of had the same passion and same like energy in terms of you know wine and beverage and yeah. service. So um, you know it was something that I was looking forward to coming back. David was fortunate to give me employment at Landmark Time Water, and then my position has sort of grown into the, the wine director there. And um, what David does there and what I sort of sort of follow him for are things that I really didn't understand at first. And I'm sure you, Joe, can understand that, like this half-bottle program. It's like I couldn't wrap my brain around how it could possibly financially work and how, you know, like why would you only do half-bottles? Uh, haters, man, of, haters. Uh, <laughs> it's the markups. I mean, it's half the size of a 750 and, you know, you know, you know this, the, the, the standard, you know, way to, to sell wine. And then once you really get into it and you, you know, pick his brain, you know, you see the way that the inventory systems are set up, right. um, the way people are ordering, the approachability of the list and the prices, um, the direct work with some of the wineries and the producers, you know, you get to see how it really translates into a successful business model where it probably will only exist in this country at benchmark restaurants. If someone right. else tried to do it, I don't think they would have the wherewithal. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, and I want to talk about uh, uh, Landmark, but I mean, it's it's just unique to have someone who was in D.C. for, you know, for, for five years on the show. I feel like that D.C. is kind of having a burgeoning, bubbling moment. Um, you worked at Graffiato, right? And uh, I worked um, also in uh, New Ramen, uh, a New Ramen place that uh, I actually haven't been to. Um, but I feel like you have a really good insight, like what what's going on in D.C. right now? Um, one of my favorite restaurants in in America, Little Cerro, is in mm-hmm. DC. I feel like everyone in the industry goes there when they go down there, but it's yeah. so damn good. It's uh, DC has sort of had a huge rebirth in the last, I would say, three years. Um, I think they quadrupled the number of restaurants in like the four mile radius of the capital. Um, it still is is getting there in terms of you know concepts and creativity. You know, there's a lot of steakhouses and you know things of that sort because you you know are catering to you know expense accounts and, and things of that sort, a lot of suits and ties. But, you know, with that, the people that are opening, you know, special concepts and, you know, sort of unique one-offs are really killing it and sort of inspiring other people to go the same route instead of just, you know, putting another Capitol Grill, you know, two miles from the next one. And, and um, you know, the economy is great down there because it's sort of in its own little bubble. Uh, there's a lot of government money, recession-proof kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity. Big chefs moving down. Cool. Um, it's it's cool exciting. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. Every time I go down there, I think there's a couple of new new spots, and uh, they're they're all pretty good. It was great to see it, and uh, great to you know get that experience from a, a smaller market, and sort of help relate that to a bigger market or the biggest market, in New York. Yeah. Now, David, let's talk about uh, Landmark in uh, Time Warner. Um, yes. You're able to take this idea of your wine program and like grow it to this like enormous like right. ten thousand bottles in your cellar. Kind right. of, amazing uh list and it's in this uh you're such a neighborhood restaurant in tribeca um right were you able to like is it a neighborhood restaurant in time warner like how did you translate that feeling that that warmth that you guys had from uh your original space yeah we you know we were open just about i'd say about three years in in uh in tribeca great success i mean just seven days a week 24 7 right head down just banging it out and Murphy gets a call from the guys from Related for a space at the Time Warner Center his first reaction was 
do you know who I am? Like, I'm not Thomas Keller or John George was in there at the time, you know, uh, Massa, like Gray Kuntz was in there at the time. And they're like, no, 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 we get it. Like, we, we, we need an everyday restaurant up here. You know, there was a line out the door for Whole Foods, and then there was, per se, there was nowhere for people to eat. So they want, we, we want a neighborhood spot. So we walked the space. We went in there, 11,000 square feet, totally concrete, nothing going on. We looked at each other, a few of us, and we're like, let's do it. Let's give it a shot, you know. And um, we just wanted, it, it was interesting to take this little tiny two-story you know, brick restaurant, landmark Tribeca concept, and just physically lay it out for that space. And we worked really hard to break this this, this monster space up um, and create these little pockets of intimacy so people still felt like they were in a, a, a little spot downtown. There was a restaurateur who was looking at the restaurant before us and uh, had left his plans there, you know, for design. And it was basically... 75% of the space was kitchen and 25% of the space was seating, right? So we took the paper and we were just like, huh, and we just turned it around and we're like, yeah, that works, 25% of the kitchen and then we'll bang out 75% for the, uh, <laughs> for, for the restaurant itself. And I'll tell you, Joe, I still am, I mean, it's been almost, I think, like eight years up at Landmark Time Warner Center. I go in there sometimes, man, I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't yeah. get it. I mean, it's just... We're open from 7 a.m. till 2 a.m., three meal periods, um, 300 seats, right? It won't be uncommon to have 200 covers in before 10 o'clock in the morning on certain days. And it's it's on the third floor in New York City in a a building in what they like to call a vertical shopping experience. And there's a nice view of Central Park. It's a high-end mall. Yeah, it's a (laughs) high-end mall. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we just bang it out. I look around there sometimes, and I'm like, where do these people come Amazing. from? I mean, it's it's wonderful and it's great, but it's sometimes it's like, wow! Like, so it's a proven concept in this little tiny little restaurant yeah. in the west in the in Tribeca, and then it translates to this three hundred seat monster up in Time Warner Center. That's crazy! It's constantly filled up. It's just, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the the concept and the accessibility, the the approach, you know, and just the you know, we talk sometimes about the culture, you know, and, and the support that we give e- each other in the restaurants, and just really try and foster this this community you know people are are, Mm -hmm. i am so thankful for all the years of the people that have come through our doors and have have shared their lives with us under our roof um but you know one of the biggest things i always talk about in our success is the amount of people we've been able to have on our team and, and to employ that have been able to build a house in another country or put their kids through school or just live their lives and pursue their dreams i mean it's that these are the people that are running your restaurant when you're not there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, and and to to have restaurants that that have such longevity, you're obviously doing something right, and you're treating people well, and then uh, it almost uh, is even more. It gives like more a sense of pleasure when people right. who work with you accomplish things like big these big lifetime sure. achievement things, right? Um, and that you're able to be a part of that, right? I mean, they're they're your family. When sometimes when people are working for us for a while like there's been people who have been my beverage managers and then you know their next step their next level is to take my job well i I like my job so i'm not i don't even consider a job by the way you know it's just a lifestyle you know it's what we do on a daily basis and just so fortunate that it revolves around food and wine and people and 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 culture um and then when they go to do something else i'm i'm the biggest cheerleader i mean it's like great for you like you're going to open up your own restaurant you're going to go to dc to do your own thing or you traveling somewhere else to do something else and 
you know we're we're, we're proud of them it's like your your kids yeah you know it's it really is a family i mean you you come from a strong uh family background like like myself with you know being first generation here in the u.s you know parents are from sicily so it's just uh you know it's a really great feeling um to, to be a part of especially the looking back and still seeing the longevity it's like Wow. Insane. Insane. Uh, just going back to, to James qu- real quick. I mean, it sounds like you have a big job, like 27 meal periods there, a huge seller. Like, how do you keep up with just the huge amount of just volume that goes through that place? Well, there's some really great systems um, that are in place there that really help facilitate, you know, keep, keeping track of the said, you know, 800,000 bottles or however many there are in there at one time. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a obviously a full time job, and most of it does revolve around you know beverage. Um, uh, the inventory systems that we have are extremely detailed. Um, a lot of pe- people think this you know the wine business is all about you know you know cheersing your glass and you know and drinking wine, but it's certainly what well, my job is is a is a business. I spend most of my time you know in a, a quote unquote office you know behind a laptop you know with a clipboard and a pencil behind my ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, there are many opportunities for me to you know go out on the floor and drink wine and you know meet people, but uh, with a, a monster restaurant like that, you need to be like dedicated to that program when you're you know a huge amount of your revenue is going through there. You need to have extremely tight controls because it is so big. So you think things can fall through the cracks and not matter, but you know it's every single detail that counts and. Um, you know, you can see people. The thing about talking about the accessibility of Landmark, especially the Time Warner Center, is I think my my like aha moment of realizing what the what the plan was there was, you know, you walk by a table and there'll be like a kid with a a plate of uh, chicken fingers and fries, the dad eating bone marrow and foie gras and drinking like a four hundred dollar bottle of Bordeaux at the <laughs> same time, and you're like, that's what it is. And you know, uh, for the beverage, you know, you have to have you know little cups of apple juice and you have to have first growth Bordeaux. You know, it's a uh, it's a much different, you know, system than a typical restaurant is used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's fun. It's definitely a place um, to gain some, like, really cool first-hand experience of, you know, a unique anomaly in a third story of a vertical mall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to have you back in New York. And, uh, Thank you. Um, congratulations. And uh, I think we'll be hearing more from you uh, in the near future. Hope so. All right. Uh, Dave, unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, but it's been such a pleasure having you, Thank you having so much, on the Joe. show. Thank you so much, Thank you, buddy. Uh, I can't believe we, we haven't had you sooner. Um, so I was sitting by my phone every day like, will he call? <laughs> when is he going to call? <laughs> <laughs> um, as I said, just one, one, of, one of my favorite guys around in the industry, one of the nicest guys. And uh, just awesome, awesome restaurants and great places to, to drink wine. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks cool. for having us. Thanks so much. Uh, this has been... Uh, also, wait, a quick thanks to, uh, to Jory uh, Morales and Jack Insley, the producers of the show. You guys are the best. Thank you for making it happen every week. Um, this has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 